Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. I also want to say that you have come on a good Sunday because this Sunday we're starting a brand new series and I've titled the series, Check the Pulse. Check the Pulse. In fact, Check the Pulse is kind of a, you know, I would, I would deem it to be a medical term. Um, I don't know if anybody in the medical field would agree. But we're taught, even in first aid, that if you're kind of going along in life and you see somebody, let's say they're laying across the sidewalk, it's like, this is odd, right? What are they doing laying on the sidewalk? This is strange. And so you might call out to them, hey, hey. I don't know how you call, hey, hey, you all right? And then they don't respond and you you might get down and just shake them on the shoulder or something. Hey, hey, are you all right? And then there's no response, and, and then, I don't know about you, but there would be some time where I would check their pulse, or I would, I would, I would make sure, man, do they, have a, do they have a heartbeat? And I'm just saying this, I see people checking their pulse all over the place right now, like, I haven't, am I alive? Yes, you're alive. Um, but I think checking the pulse is important in every aspect of life, right? Because... The truth is, is you might not be doing as well as you, as you think you are in all areas at all times. And so, so checking the pulse is a good way to do that. This series is going to be a series on relationships. And the idea is this, that, that we might feel like we're doing okay in the area of relationships until we really pay attention to the relationships that we have in life. And I want you to know that God is for relationship, Right? And he doesn't want us just to have relationships, but I believe that God wants us to thrive in the area of relationship. Already, like I feel like the Holy Ghost is, is, is bringing some things maybe to the mind and the attention of, of people in your own life that, that you already know that the relationship isn't quite what it could be or what it should be, and it just needs a little bit of attention. And boy, oh boy, If we can get through this message today and you're challenged and charged to go give some attention to some relationships that need some attention, then then that's a good thing. Amen. That's a good thing. So so relationships are tough. One pastor said this and it was not me, but one pastor said, man, pastoring would be the best job on the planet if you never had to deal with people. And um and the truth is, is anybody that's in the service industry, you're helping people out, um, it's probably the case. Because sometimes people can be challenging, right? But that doesn't give us, it doesn't give us a pass to write people off, especially if, as believers and Christians. Going through the pandemic, I think that, I think that we'll never, you know, we won't know the, the total effects of, of what COVID and being separated from the people that we love and the tension that we were under and how that affected, you know, relationships. Domestic violence, if you can imagine, I know you can, it went up in COVID, you know, in a time where you're spending more time with the people that you really love and are close to, like, like we didn't have much patience, you know, for, for one another. And anyway, all I'm saying is, is that 
People can be challenging and life can be difficult and some of you would love your job if that one person wasn't there. And, and I want you to know that you can love your job and love that person at the same time. And there might be some things that God does in and through this series and this message specifically that can help you in that area. The key to great relationships, it begins with a lot of things, but I want you to know that two things that are important is faith and expectation. Like your faith in God should be seen in your relationships. And then also your faith in God and your, and your walk with God should be seen in the expectation that you have in all areas of life, but certainly in the area of relationship. But let's be honest, sometimes we can love God and believe in God, but sometimes, it's crazy to me, sometimes we don't trust God maybe like we should or could. And I, and I would even say this, sometimes you're trusting God for God to do something in the lives of other people is so much greater than your trust in God for God to be able to do something in the lives of your, of your own self or your own family. I don't quite know why that is. Maybe there's a series in that as well. But let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. Thanks for these next few moments together. We're going to be spending a lot of time in your word, Lord. And I just pray that, I pray that, uh, that it would just hit the mark and it would help us. Uh, help me, Lord God, in my own shortcomings and in trying to communicate. Lord, I pray that if there's a stumbling block, that you would turn it into a stepping stone. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Romans 12 and verse 2, very popular passage of Scripture. I like how it reads in the message. And so for those of you that are anti-message, forgive me. Give me some grace and mercy. It says this, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. See, we can become so adjusted by our culture that it changes the very way that we were raised. You know, I guarantee you this, there are some folks that have been raised in the church, going to Sunday school, maybe in an Awanas program, raised, you know, with Bible-believing parents, and then all of a the sudden they're shipped off to college and, and all of these new ideas and and, 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 and cultural norms are introduced to them, and now they're, 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 they're second-guessing the very fabric in which they've been, they've been raised. And so culture really begins to change them instead of them changing the culture that's around them. It says, fix your eyes and your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. My goodness, that's a message. I could preach that message for the next 20 minutes about the importance of when God says something and you know it's God, like you know it's God, it's confirmed through his word and people, people are like, yes, that's the Lord. Like, like respond to it. Just do it. I've heard that term used before. It goes on to say, recognize what he wants and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. And I want you to know this, that if you do not know, God wants the best in all of your relationships, 
I'm specifically now speaking to marriages. God wants the best relationship for your marriage. Like he wants you to, he wants you to thrive and be excited about your marriage once again. This isn't for anybody, but probably one couple in the house today. But I'm telling you, <laughs> I saw that, Wes. You're like, that, that's, that's me. No, no, no. <laughs> but God wants, God wants, he wants your marriages just to be amazing. Amen? And, and this is what I know, being married 27 years, and I can guarantee you, a lot of that is because my wife is patient. She's got the Spirit of God in her. But you can go through life and just kind of throw up your hands and, and just, well, I guess it's going to be what it is. And no, 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 no. Like, listen, put the work into it. Bring God into the center of it and just see what God's able to do in your marriage in a short period of time. Even, yes, the worst marriages, if there is such a thing. So, he wants to bring the best out of us and develop well-informed maturity inside of us. In the natural, guys, check this out, like our entire life is, is centered around this thing called the heart. How many of you know it's a pretty important organ? Like there are some organs that you can actually, you know what I mean, take out of your body and you'll be fine. And, and in fact, we had an incredible thing just right in, our own, right in our own church here where somebody gave something that she had to somebody else to better their quality of life. And I just think that's pretty amazing, right? That's pretty spectacular. Just happened right here. We got to sit on the front row seat and at least pray everything went okay. And from everything that I can tell, everything's good. But you can't go without your heart for very long, right? It's a very important part um, of living, if you were to give your heart to somebody else, I guess that would be the ultimate. Uh, no greater love is there than this, than one person lay down his life for another. So that, you know, we can't even do that, but you understand what I'm saying. It's interesting to me that the number one killer in the United States and probably around the world, I'm guessing, is heart disease. We had a tough conversation about the foods that we eat and the, and, and the exercise that we involve ourselves in. And I know, I know this, that, that was, it was a hard message. And as careful as I tried to be, it still really hurt some folks. But once again, like heart disease is, is the number one killer. Cancer is number two. And everybody goes crazy whenever we hear, oh my gosh, did you hear that so-and-so has been diagnosed with cancer? And it's almost like, we're like, but there's a disease that's even more fatal than that, and it's heart disease, and it has a lot to do with just our ability, not all, not all, I, and I'm not a doctor, I don't know any, but a lot of it has to do with just getting up and moving every day, and following some sort of a diet so that so that we're not we're not killing ourselves slowly and and I struggle with this the reason why we talk about that is because because we want and we believe that God has the very best like 
I, I have grandkids. I have two grandkids now. And my desire is, is that I will not only just be around as they grow up, but I will be able to keep up and beat them at whatever it is that they're doing for as long as I possibly can. Like, I'm that competitor. Like, I'm like, even if I have to cheat a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Like, I will. And so, right, wrong, or indifferent, like, I really want to be around for all that God has has for me to be a part of. And the truth is, is sometimes, you know, we go to be with the Lord prematurely, and it's, it's not because he was necessarily like, okay, you got to go. You know, it's time to come home. It's because of, of decisions that we make. And, and uh, I, I just wanted my life to count for everything that it can. I want your life to count for everything that it can. But the truth is, is we're talking about natural heart disease and it being a problem. The truth is, is we have spiritual heart disease as well. The Bible says that and it leads us to this, that much of what we don't like in life, it really comes out of the heart. So if there are things that you're, that you're just hung up on and you're just bound by and limited by, like search no further than the heart because the issues of life come out of the heart. Some of you, if we were due to, the, to do the hammer test, Matt, construction Matt, you ever whack your thumb with a hammer? And only amen and Jesus comes out at that time, right? <laughs> and so, so the truth is, is whenever we are in painful situations, like you, you hope that the right things come out, but if the wrong things come out, then that's a, there's a sure sign, truthfully, like there is a sure sign that, that there's work that still needs to be done in the area of the heart. And so Proverbs 4.23 says this, above all else, it says to guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart. Pay attention, you know what I mean, to your heart. Your thoughts, your emotions, like all the things that you, that you allow to come in, what you think about, how you allow your mind to go, guard it means take control of it, keep the things out that aren't supposed to be, and, and, and stir up the good things that are there, because out of it, man, it's the wellspring of life. I think it's interesting that when Jesus taught, one of his missions was to shift the religious people from focusing on what they did externally to changing to focus on the, on the matters of the heart or what happens on the inside. He taught us more than the Old Testament law. A lot of that was like external, 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 right? What you do matters more than anything else, right? Like even if you're a mess inside, if you can put off that, you know, I mean, uh, maybe that's a stretch. But I'm telling you, Jesus changed things. He said, listen, you've heard that adultery is wrong. Being with a woman that that is not your wife, that that is wrong. But he said, listen, if you've lusted upon a woman, if you've looked at her too long and allowed things to, you know what I mean, to well up in your heart, you, my friend, have already committed adultery. And so he's taking it from this external action to this internal, you know, heart control and I'm just saying this, that if we, can, if we can bring the Lord into the center of our pain in our heart and what we allow our heart, you know what I mean, to dwell on, then I believe that the actions are going to follow. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, we're like, man, I just wish I could quit porn. Man, I just wish I could, I just wish I could quit porn. Man, oh man, I wish, I wish that I was just have victory over the, the porn. Once again, the action or the focus is on, is on me sitting down in front of a computer or a phone or, or whatever it is. And just, man, don't push play, man, don't push play. Don't push play. But the thing is, is there's something inside that needs to be dealt with that even that 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 that, that if you would deal with that on the inside, you wouldn't even be in front of the screen thinking, man, am I going to? You know what I'm saying? Because we we we're focusing on the right things and our heart is 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 healthy. And so the inside determines the outside. Take care of the heart and the actions will follow. The Pharisees were always trying to trick Jesus, right? They're always just trying to, trying to catch him. Double talking. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 3, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they say, we've got a question for you. Should a man be allowed to divorce, to divorce his wife? <laughs> divorce is that what I said? The voice. Stop it. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? And Jesus responds, haven't you read the scriptures? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. I'm just going to pause right there just for a quick nugget. Just because people in our culture are confused about what it is that makes a male and what it is that makes a female, God is not confused. And I would take you back to the very first scripture that I shared that, listen, we stand for truth or we are a people that allow culture to redefine what God's already defined. And so... All right, moving on. And he said, this explains why a man will leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and the two will become one person. So the two become one, one flesh. And then he says, let no one split apart what God has joined together. And the Pharisees, then they're like, oh, we got him. We got him. See, we caught you. He says, they asked, and why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce, sending her away? And Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. Somebody say hard hearts. But it was not what God had originally intended. And so listen, anytime that we've got something in life we're doing something in life. We've adopted something in life that is different than what it is that God's intention for it is. There's two things that you can do. You can struggle through or you can do what God's called you to do. And, the, and I'm not talking about a heaven and hell thing. Like, right? Like, like you can be kind of messed up in your heart and just still working out. Or you can be, your life can be um, what's the word when somebody stops growing? Stunted? That's what I thought it was, but it sounded weird in my head. They're stunted. Like, like people can love Jesus and be going, you know what I mean, to heaven, but be stunted in life because of something, 
You know what I mean? Something that's happened. And this is the deal. If you fight against what God's perfect will and desire is for your life, you're going to be stunted. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven, but your life is going to be a struggle. From the point that you made the decision to go against what God says is right and true, from that point, you're going to be in a wrestling match. You're going to be fighting, and it's not going to be fun. not saying you're not going to heaven, but I'm just saying, listen, how about we just do what God's called us to do? And whenever we do that, we have to address the condition of our heart because there's something inside of you that's pushing against what God wants in the first place. Every single time that we come to God, we bring issues of the heart, whether they be good issues or bad issues or ugly issues. Call them the four P's. It's your past, it's your pain, it's your problems, and it's people. And probably your pain, past, and problems have something to do with people a lot of times. Not always, but sometimes, most times. So, so if we live in this place of being unforgiving, if we live in this place of being bitter, if we live in this place of being angry and broken, and then we ask the question, why am I still a mess? Like, why aren't things working out for me? Rewind. All you have to do is go back to the heart situation that's taking place in your life. Amen? You're still going to heaven, but you got a heart situation. You guys ever remember that, that child um, riddle? I think it would be called a riddle. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How crazy is that? That's, that's simply to, to say that physical pain is, is somehow worse than emotional pain or damage. And I'm just saying, listen, that I know for a fact there's people in this room not even knowing your stories. There have been words that have been spoken about you and over you and prophesied, demonically prophesied, not even knowing the power of words, but they've been prophesied about you and you've been hung up from that moment that you heard it until now. In fact, sometimes it would be a whole lot better. You just like, just break my leg. Just break it. Come and snap my leg because I know all I'm going to have to be out is about six months at the most and probably sooner than that. Just break my leg because there are people that deal with emotional pain from the time that they were a child and heard it in their ear for the first time till the time that they're going to see Jesus on their deathbed. And that's not God's plan. Like God's plan is like, listen, let me heal that hurt just like I can heal your leg. Right? I will say this. There's no way to really improve your relationships without addressing the heart that's involved. Genesis chapter 11, verse 28. The Bible says this is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram. He also had a son, Nahor, and a son by the name of Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot, which was Abram's nephew, of course. While his father, Terah, was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans. So we know that this was a premature death because the son, the father outlived the son. And so I don't know. I haven't researched this. I don't think the Bible speaks as to why Haran died, but it was probably some sort of a disease or some sort of an accident Something had taken place, but his life ended prematurely. Why? Because 
dad outlived the son. Ur represents a place of really kind of being stuck in life. And I believe that there are spiritual errs in life where people have remained a lot longer than they were ever called to remain. So Terah, one day he gets up and he says, man, it's time to leave Ur. Maybe he said it like this. It's time to get out of Ur. <laughs> Come on, let's get out of Ur. Maybe not. Probably not. But I believe wholeheartedly that God was prompting this. And I'll tell you why. This is a stretch. It's not, doesn't say this. But I'm telling you what, that the command that, 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 that and this will make sense in a second, the command that Abram was given, I believe was wholeheartedly because his father failed to do what he was called to do. Reading into it, maybe. You come to your own conclusion. Genesis chapter 11, verse 31. Actually, let's go back. Okay, yeah. Genesis, he says, listen, it's time to get out of here. Or, er. Genesis eleven thirty-one. 31. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of Abram, and together they set out for Ur of the Chaldeans to, this is important, don't look over it, to another place, what we know is the promised land because of later things happening to a place called Canaan. So that's where they were called out of and called into. That's where they were going, the land of promise, Canaan. But when they came to Haran or Haran, However you want to say it. Wait a second. I thought Haran was Terah's son that died, which was Lot's father. It's exactly the same. But it was also a city that was between Ur of the Chaldeans and Canaan, the promised land. And so I think it's interesting that the father and the brother and the, and the brother's wife and the, and the grandson had to address, this is prophetic, powerful right here, had to address the pain that was in their life, maybe that hadn't been addressed before. They're going to Canaan, they come through Haran, and they pull up short. They remain there. I am telling you, in life, in pastoring, whether it's being a good pastor or a bad pastor, God, you judge that, but in life, I have tried to help so many people, some successful, many not successful, so many people out of their place of being stuck into greater promises, but every single time they hit their pain, sometimes people are able to get through that, over that, to deal with it, and many times people get stuck there. And I'm just saying this, if I, I believe wholeheartedly, every ounce of my being, that if you're ever going to step into the, 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 the beautiful places, like the, the fullness of God's promise, you're never going to get there without dealing with your pain. And your pain settles in your heart. I'm telling you what, when you've been hurt, especially by people, you know what I'm saying? Like everything that you do is filtered, whether you know it or not is filtered through your heart. Your outlook, your decisions, 
you know what I mean, how you treat people, whether you keep people at a distance or you let them come close. You know what I'm saying? It's all filtered. Come on, you could say you are the sum total of life experience that you've had and how you've dealt with the life experience. Jesus said you're going to have troubles. That's not a shock. What's the shock is how you deal with it, right? What's the, what the important part of it? And so, so they're going to Canaan. They're coming out of their stuck place. Man, I'm stuck. Uh, uh, uh. Break free. Go into the promise. Hit the pain. And what you're going to see here, matter of fact, I'll read it to you. Terah lived 205 years and died in Haran or Haran, however you want to say it. He died in the place that he was supposed to pass through. He died there. I'm just saying, God, please, if somebody is stuck in their pain, help them supernaturally to move through it onto the promise. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. This is 11. Chapter 11. Terah pulled up short, remained in a place of pain that he wasn't supposed to remain in. Genesis 12.1, God shifts his conversation to Abram and says, listen, are you going to stay here too? I need you to leave where your father is set up and I need you to go into the promised land. Read it for yourself. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. How many of you know that Abram could have remained in the place of pain as well, but he chose to go? He chose to do what his father was unwilling to do or unable to do in his own mind. All right, Daniel chapter 1. i got to hurry up. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 1. This is a time in Israel's uh, uh, life that God had literally removed his hand from them. And there was a reason as to why God removed his hand from them is because the people rejected God, rejected God, rejected God. So he says, listen, I'm going to remove my hand for a period of time. And it was during this time that um, they call it the Babylonian captivity. The Babylon came in, destroyed Jerusalem, and took everybody as slaves. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 3 says this. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of the court officials to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility, young men. I want to stop right there. This is why what we do for our young people is so important, right? We raise them up. We got a great children's ministry back there. If you've got kids, like, listen, we're doing our best to help you train up, raise up, teach your kids about Jesus. Youth is important. Children are important, right? We're doing the same as the kids reach junior high and high school. We got so many volunteers that, that love, love these, this age group and are pouring into them. Got a chance to baptize a couple of them today, right? And why our college ministry, which we're just kind of getting off the ground, is so important. See, one thing that the church doesn't realize, and if we do realize it, then, then we would do things differently but one thing the devil really notices, he notices the best time to really grab a hold of kids. And I think it's interesting that Aspenaz is gathering up these young men. It says young men. Why? Because they're still 
teachable. They're still trainable. We can influence them. We can change their minds. And this is why college can be a little bit dangerous. Come on, if, we're, if, we, if we don't get involved in college ministries and different things, you know, outreaches and, and we're not connected because I'm telling you, there's an enemy that's out to kill, steal and destroy, right? And, it, and it's getting younger and younger, right? In the 60s, they were going after the young people. They were just older young people, drugs, alcohol, and they were searching for the meaning of and purpose of life and getting involved. They were searching for God and all these things and drugs and alcohol and, and everything else that goes along with that was, was readily available. Well, guess what? The devil's turning things up a little bit. He's going after our kids in Awanas. We got parents sometimes that, and, and no, I'm not even going to touch it, not going to touch it. But if you think that your kids, if they're in a public setting, aren't being approached with sexual things, and, 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 and if you just think they're absolutely innocent and never deal with, 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 with the enemy and, and, and trying to curb their minds at young ages, I'm just tell, I'm telling you, you're wrong. You're wrong. There's an all-out assault. I remember my wife. I ain't got time for this, but I remember my wife. We bought our kids a little, a little game. Each of them got a little game. We didn't realize until they were in their 20s that they were able to communicate through this, this what was that little thing called? A, a DS. They were able to communicate and send pictures and, and all kinds of things like that. I'm having a conversation with my kids in their 20s. They're like, oh, yeah, Dad, we were able to, we were just able to talk to anybody we want. I'm like, so something that we think, and now these kids have apps, and that's not what this is about. All I'm saying is, as parents, you think you're on point. The devil is constantly introducing new apps and new ways to, to keep to keep you uninformed, to do things because the enemy is after your kids and it's getting younger and younger and younger and younger and younger. All right. Young men without physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude of every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. Teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. Like, listen, forget what you've been taught. Forget your own culture. Forget your own language. Forget your own. We're going to teach him something new. We're going to change them. And then the Bible says that he chose four men, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These are their Hebrew names. We don't even know them by their Hebrew names. We know them by Belshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which are their Babylonian names. We don't even know what their Hebrew names are. We just know them because of VeggieTales, right? <laughs> So the official gives them new names, Babylonian names. See, I'm just, I ain't got time for this, but the devil's after your name. He does something different in your life. I feel like he gives you, God gives you a, a, a new name, a new purpose. He puts his spirit inside of you and the devil's in your ear all the time. You ain't that. You're just a joker. You're just a liar. You're just a thief. You're just a, you know, you're just whatever, whatever, whatever. It's amazing that God, when he did something significant in the lives of people in the Old Testament, many times that was associated with giving them a new name. But the devil's a great accuser. He's a great, like he will call you out and say, you know what you did. So Daniel, the word Daniel means God is my judge. His new name, Belshazzar, 
This is a feminine name. doesn't sound real feminine, but it is a feminine name. Lady, protect the king is what that means. And I'm just saying, we, it's the same thing that's happening here today, that we have a generation that is becoming more and more confused as to who they are. But this isn't a new thing. This has been something that's been around for a long time. So the world's answer to people that are confused about who they are is, is what they call gender-affirming operations. And I wouldn't call it an operation. I would call it mutilation because there are people that, that, that are far too young to make big decisions like this that have made decisions, sometimes without parent consent, which is a whole other deal, only to find out that what they thought, the removing that body part or adding that body part was going to do for them, it didn't do that for them. In fact, it made their issues a whole lot worse because the idea is not to affirm how you feel. The idea is to really get a definition of who you are because God created you. And I'm telling you that all of these things affect our, our relationships. We need God. So Hananiah, Hananiah means Yahweh has been gracious. Hananiah's name was changed to Shadrach, which means I'm fearful of God. The, the, what this does, the result of this is warped spirituality. And this is where I was. I had an experience, an encounter with God when I was eight years old. Had some, had some issues in my, in my, uh, my, my young childhood. And, um, and I started to, I, I was introduced to alcohol, and alcohol was fun, and it was like I lived in a party all the time. And I knew that God had called, had a call on my life, but I had a warped sense of spirituality because I thought that, man, what's going to happen is my life is now going to be boring and, and I'm, and I'm going to miss out and I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know what I mean? I'm like, I've got to change like who I am. And what I, what I was lied about is, is, that, is, is that that was going to be far less amazing and purposeful and fun than the life that I was currently living. But, but then I gave my heart. I surrendered to Jesus in my mid-20s. And then I was just, I was so sad. Like, I was sad. I wasn't mad. I wasn't angry. But I was sad that I never did that sooner. Like, I, like I, I bought into this lie that, man, life's just going to be you know, there's not going to be any purpose, no fun. It's just going to be like, I'm just going to be going to church all the time. And, 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 and it's just crazy. It's just crazy how I bought into that lie, but that's a lie. And um, Mishael says, who is what God is? That's the definition. His name was changed to Meshach, which means I am despised, contemptible, and humiliated. And, and these result in wounded emotions. And that's the case here for some of you too. Like you were on the right track at one time. Something happened, wounded your emotions, and now you're far from that place. Azariah, which means God has helped me, or Yahweh has helped me. And Yahweh actually can be defined also, the God who prophesied to your future. His name was changed to Abednego, which means servant of Nebo. Nebo was a false god. It also means to prophesy. Well, wait a second, that's kind of crazy. Can I just tell you this? When we think of the prophetic word, 
When we think of prophecy, like most of us that have been around the church at all, all we think of is that God is able, come on, to speak words over our future, give us direction and understanding, encouragement, you know what I'm saying? Prophecy, the prophetic word, being able to maybe see things or be told things that have not yet come. And I'm just telling you this, that if you think that he's the only one that prophesies, like that's legitimate prophecy, but if you think that the devil's not prophesying, speaking things over your life, you're crazy. This is why we have such a, a, a challenge. Come on, don't receive every single word that's spoken to you because there are multiple false prophets. And they can be false prophesying for their own gain. They can be false prophesying, you know what I mean? Because in the natural, it seems right. And there could be a lot of different reasons. But my goodness, church, listen to me. If you don't get anything else out of this, listen to me. Just because somebody says, I've got a word for you, I would be very careful just to receive everything that's spoken. And sometimes even by people that you admire and respect. What about Peter? Jesus rebukes Peter. Peter calls him Satan. Was he Satan? No, but he was being the voice of Satan. He was speaking words that were not, that were not spiritually minded. They were earthly driven. He's like, I don't want you to go anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Stop what you're saying. Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. So even people that love God, you know what I'm saying? Like, you better be careful. Oh man, so-and-so said this. This is what, this is what I'm supposed to do. You better check it. You better check it. Somebody says they got a word for me. I can promise you this. The first thing I'm saying is I'll listen and then I'll wait for the Lord to confirm it. I, I don't care who you are. You could, be, you could be Billy Graham and come to me and say, listen, God spoke to me and told me this about you. I promise you I'm not going to jump headline and sinker, whatever that means. My mom used to say that all the time. I'm just not going to jump and, and just be like, oh, okay, then I'm just going to do that. All right. So, lost my place. I'm going to close with this. Are you guys ready? Four things real quick. Talking about relationships. This will help you in your relationships. God designed me. I trust him to define me. Like, we can't be what, we, what other people need us to be, and our relationships are not if we live in a state and a place of confusion. God designed me, I'm going to allow him to define me. The Bible says in Psalm 139, for you created me in my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. This is why we're pro-life at this church. God knew you before you were born, before you were even fully formed. He knew you in the secret place, the dark place, had purpose for you. This is why I don't personally understand how somebody can be a Christian I'm not judging. I'm not. I just I'm just telling you me. I don't know how you can be a Christian and be pro-choice. And if that offends you, I'm sorry. It's not to offend you. I just don't get it. Maybe we can have a discussion or a conversation because my Bible says that he knew me before I was even formed in my mother's womb. For you created me, my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was hidden from you 
When I was made in the secret place, there it is again. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, you, your eyes saw my unformed body. Amazing. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before when one of them came to be. I don't know how you wrestle with that scripture and, and not be pro-life. Number two. See God the right way. We have to see, we gotta view God the right way, not what culture says about God, not what our mom and dad necessarily say about God, but what he says about himself. Psalm 139 says this, how precious are your thoughts toward me, O God. They cannot be numbered. See, God is not against you, and sometimes because of hurts and pains and troubles and situations, even the most horrific things happening in your life, sometimes we can be like, man, if God loved me, he would have protected me from this. And I wish I understood all things. I don't understand all things, but I do understand this, that God said that there's going to be troubles, there's going to be problems, there's going to be bad things because we're a fallen people. We sin. We make choices that God has nothing to do with. And any time that a bad choice is made, it can cause hurt and pain. Sometimes when a good choice is made, it can cause hurt and pain, right? And so, so I don't know why all things happen, but I do know this, that we cannot, come on, we cannot be a people to just follow God when everything is great. We gotta follow God because God is God. We gotta trust in his sovereignty, which means that, listen, when I don't understand it, I trust that he does, and I'm okay with that. And someday I'll understand it. This room, I know, I'm just looking out. I'm just looking out. I know there is so much pain, so much pain that people have experienced even here right now. And some of that pain has caused you to come to this place, and it's okay to be in that place of God. What? That, it, this is the, this makes no sense to me whatsoever. And it's okay to work through that. It's okay to be in that place. But at some time, at some point, some way, you've got to say, I trust you. I trust you. And it might not be soon. It might take a long time. It might take years. But my goodness, God is God and we are not. Amen. So see God the right way. Number three, I must allow God to heal my heart. I think that speaks for itself. Bring God to the center of your heart. And the last one is this, let God lead you into your tomorrow. Psalm chapter 139 really grabs these last two. In verse 23, it says, search me, O God, know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's anything offensive inside of me. And Psalm, same Psalm 139 verse 24 says, lead me along the path of everlasting life. I know this, that I got some plans for my future, but I know that there's one God that if I follow him, well, even if I don't follow him, like he knows my future. He sits outside of, outside of all time and, and that's a whole other conversation about free will and whatnot, but God knows because he's all knowing, all powerful. And I'm just saying this, that my future as I pursue God, walk with God is better than my present. I believe it wholeheartedly. It takes me from glory to glory. Doesn't mean it's without, without pain. But even in the pain, have you, just real quick question, last question. Have you ever been through something and you didn't want to go through it and you were angry that you were having to go through it and you were hurt and messed up, 
But then a little time passed and you were like, man, I'm really glad I went through that because of what you learned through that and how God showed up through that. Amen. That's the kind of God that we serve. We'll take our nightmares, turn them into, into blessings. Amen. Turn our nightmares, our worst days, and turn them into moments of strength where, where it changed us. It changed the course and direction of our life. If you have an area in the area of relationships, you're like, man, something that that guy said just kind of hit me a little bit. If you're here right now and you're just like, I need prayer in the area of relationship, I'm not going to ask you what it's about or who it's for or whatnot, but if you need God to do something in the area of relationships, go ahead and just raise your hand just real quick. I want to pray for you this morning. Awesome. All over the place. Online as well. Lord, we just thank you so much for today. And God, we do everything out of the heart. And the heart gets filled with a bunch of good things, amazing things like your word, experiences, and precious time spent with you, encounters with you, Lord, times that we share in fellowship together, and so many things are stored up in the heart that's good. Amazing things. Forgiveness is good when we store that in our heart. But also, Lord, these four Ps, problems, people, pain. Lord, they can, they can just mess us up. Sometimes, just like uh, Tara, when he addressed his pain, he didn't go beyond it. He stayed there and died at 2.05 in a place that he wasn't supposed to remain, but he did. God, I pray over these people today that, that we would just trust you in all ways, acknowledge you in all ways. We would grow in you in all ways. Thank you, Lord, for the Spirit of God, the Word of God, friends of God. Thank you, Lord, for that. Help us, even when we see there's no way. How in the way would I ever get over this or through this or around this? It's bigger than anything I thought I would ever face or address. Some people right now are contemplating divorce, and I'm asking right now that you just begin to breathe hope into that situation and change the heart because it's the heart where the problems are coming from too maybe something was said done maybe they were overlooked and they felt like they're just not important anymore god i pray that you heal the heart because once you heal my heart you can help every relationship every encounter every interaction that i have with everybody else so God, I pray that something supernatural would take place right now in the heart and then help these specific issues that people have raised their hand for. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.